Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. We have with us today Ed Milet, one of the most successful and influential business leaders of the 21st century. He was named by Forbes as one of the country's top 50 wealthiest under the age of 50. I'm going to have to get some notes from him. And is well regarded for building one of the largest financial organizations around. He's a motivational speaker, social media icon, best-selling author of Max Out Your Life, As you guys know, we're here, June right now. His new book is just out, so you'll have to order it. But he's also the host of top-rated business and mindset podcast, Max Out. He's also a mentor to top professional athletes, entertainers, and business executives all over the world. He's turned his passion into business when he co-founded many different companies where he also coaches and mentors top entrepreneurs that are looking to propel their businesses to new Heights. Literally, I'm reading this resume. He does it all. If he hasn't touched it yet, it looks like in his trajectory, he will. Ed, thank you so much for being on Trading Secrets today. Jason, thank you for having me, man. That's a heck of an intro. 80% of that was true, so thank you. <laughs> so you know, I like it. There you go. Well, it, I want to say one thing. My new book, so everyone knows, is called The Power of One More. So you'll get the new one, not the old one. That's the only thing I would let everyone know off the top. Go get that one. Correct. So you've, you're already a best-selling author on Max Out Your Life, but now you have the new book coming out. And let's start from the get-go. Where can they get it? Everywhere. There's books are sold, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. I got a website called thepowerofonemore.com. You could go there as well. And it's cool. It's number one on Amazon right now. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully it continues to do well and helps people. I wrote it to help. Certainly there's no money in writing books, this, as you know. So oh, I, wrote yeah. it, I wrote it to help people. And uh, I'm really confident that it's a very, very unique book, the first of its kind. That is amazing. And I that this is a great correlation to the first thing I want to talk to you about, because everything you touch, it seems like when I was researching your yeah. career up and down, uh, ends up being successful. And I attribute that to your ability to market and your ability to sell. And it's one of the things I talk about in my book, The Art of Selling. Whether you know it or not, you're selling yourself every day and you're being sold to every day. You now have your book out. You're number one on Amazon, and I'm sure you'll hit every bestseller list. If you could give someone right now that's stuck, someone that doesn't know how to sell themselves, three ideas for persuasion or tr- tips or tricks within the art of selling, what would you, uh, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I'll give you three. Sure. I go into it in the book in really big detail, actually, but I'll give you three right off the top. Number one, big mistake people make in influence or persuasion or selling. This is going to sound, you've never heard this before. And trust me, I'm right. The mistake you're making <laughs> is you're, and this is going to sound crazy when I say it. You ready, everyone? You're, the mistake you're making is you're trying to get people to believe what you're saying. Are like, are you kidding me? Yes, I'm dead serious, by the way. I'm not kidding you. The mistake you're making is that your perspective is that you need to get to believe people what you're saying. And when you do that, you come across desperate. You come across like a beggar. You come across underneath them. There's a very subtle nuance, the best get, 
that I teach that you need to learn to do. So watch this. You don't need to get to, you don't need to have people believe what you're saying. You need people to believe you believe what you're saying. And that is a completely different level of influence. It's very subtle. And it is the difference that separates people who are great salespeople, great entrepreneurs, great anything, is they are not trying to get you to believe. They're trying to get you to believe that they believe. And that comes from a place of certainty, strength, and influence. That's number one. Number two, we have to remember this. You are always making people feel something. And so take control of what they're feeling. People respond to energy, what they feel more than what they're learning or hearing. So you need to be intentional about what people are feeling from you. Third, what is it they need to feel? Certainty. Certainty equals influence. And almost every single exchange, the more certain person influences the less certain person. And that's why you got to come from a place of getting them to believe you're certain that you believe because when you're doing that, now you're influential. I've made hundreds of millions of dollars knowing this distinction. And I watch people every single day on social media, in boardrooms, on sales calls, trying to get everyone to believe them all the time. And they come across like they need people to believe them. But when it's in your world saying, I believe this, and it's a little subtle, it's a little nuanced in the book, I teach you the different ways to do it, which would be longer than a podcast today. But just those three thoughts alone ought to help everybody. I love it. That is really good feedback. And I love the idea of you talking about certainty, because if you guys go research at in any capacity, when you're professional speaking, when you get on the stage, the energy you bring and the certainty and confidence you speak with is next level. Because even if you're like, I don't know what the hell he's telling, like, I don't know what this is about, but I'm going to watch this video. You see yourself speaking, you're like, you got my attention. I'm going to listen. Thank you. Give me two. Let's do quick because it's perfect for your book. Yeah. Okay. Two different role plays that I think would connect with my audience well. And it would be one that you're selling to make someone believe everything you tell people not to do. Like an example of what that would sound like versus you selling because we believe that you believe. Can you okay. distinct the difference of like what not to do versus yeah. what to do in a perfect example with your book being out right now? Sure. One example would be that you over uh, present. So you, the more you do something, the more you know about it. And the more you feel compelled to tell them everything you know about it. So oftentimes less is more. So if you've got a product that you're selling, it's piling on and it can do this and this, the old selling techniques of uh, sell them on the benefits and features. Here's another benefit. Here's another feature. Here's another thing you can do for, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Instead of coming from a place of, and I literally say this and opening almost everything that I just want you to know that I passionately, deeply believe in what I'm about to tell you. It's made a difference in my life. And you come from telling a, listen, stay with me, everyone. Tell a personal story that has a them reference, a personal story that has a them reference. So something personal to you, facts tell stories sell. So when you can tell a personal story that they can remember and then link it to them, now you've moved away from this whole pitch. It can do this. How about this bell and whistle? How about that? Did you ever think of this? And no matter what the product is, okay, you're doing that. They're backing up. They're backing away from you. But when you can get them leaning in and when they lean in, believe it or not, it's a personal story. They lean in, they connect. When you tell me when you're vulnerable and I don't care if you're any age back, when you're vulnerable, it makes me then want to be vulnerable with you. When you're open, Hey, listen, I had this issue and this is what it did for me. Or you know what? I didn't know any of this before. There's a thing called feel felt found. This may sound very tactical, but it's letting the person know, look, I know how you feel. I felt the same way myself. And let me tell you what I did. And you can say, you can be phrased many other ways. 
I know what you're thinking. I thought the same thing myself, but let me tell you what I discovered. So when you learn these little phrases that put it personal story, um, a them reference, that's the subtle difference between you know, being really beggarish and solicitous and just like everyone else, Wednesday or Friday, eight or 10 PM, all these things people do when they close that are from like the eighties, nineties and two thousands. People now just want you to be vulnerable. Tell me a story, make it brief, have a point to it, and then link it to me. Those are the big differences. Those guys are million dollar lessons that you can take into not only your business life, your professional life, but you could take those lessons into your relationships, right? Managing friends, networking, et cetera. Those are unbelievable takeaways that we're starting with. Uh, you already have me sold to buying the book and I'm going to buy the book uh, Thanks, right after this. That's hundred percent going to happen. One of the things you said, Ed, is you talked about hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't want to pass over that. We got to, we got to talk about that. So one of the things I see online is you can Google people's net worth. It's almost a hundred, out of a hundred, it's wrong. Yeah. But you said hundreds of millions. I see on, For on Forbes that your, your net worth's over 400 million plus. Is that accurate? I hope so. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, the, the truth is, I, 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 uh, yeah, I think so. And I don't know if it's 350 or 640. I have no idea because it depends on the day, the week, what you count as an asset, minus the debt on different things. But yeah, I mean, I'd certainly become a number that surprises me. And quite frankly, accelerated much later in my life. I'm 50 years old, man. You'd have met me when I was in my 20s. I was just having this conversation with my wife this morning. My on my uh, my birthday's next week, and on my 21st birthday, I had have had my power turned off, my cars repossessed. But on my 21st birthday, we were newly married. I met my wife in kindergarten. We dating since high school. My water got turned off. I had no water and I had to get up every morning trying to live my dream out there, you know, entrepreneurial dream. And we'd have to get up every morning and go down to the pool at our apartment complex and take a shower in the outdoor pool. And I'd hold a towel up, man. And my wife would take her shower and then we'd switch and she'd hold it. And I'd brush my teeth and get ready for the day. And then I have to walk back up my apartment completely embarrassed and go out there and sell a dream every day while I'm living a nightmare. And I'm wow. sure a lot of people right now can kind of relate to this. Like, man, I am faking it. Like you cannot even believe right now. And I went from that to where I am now, like in a flicker. And I can tell you how I did it. I wrote about it in the book. It's not like I don't know what happened. What I find that's interesting, brother, is very few people document their success. Most people cannot tell you how they became successful, not right. with any level of specificity. And I think that I can. I think I know that I have two books here, man. Here's mine but here's Think and Grow Rich, which everyone's read or should read. It's like the sure. ultimate book, right? And I love Think and Grow Rich. It's my favorite book other than my scripture. But I got to tell you, you don't just think and get rich. You have to do things also. <laughs> Execute. So I finally wrote a book and it's never been done before. This book, I'm not selling it. You can get it or you can't. It's up to you. There's never been one written like it ever because every single book I read is like the same book, like slightly different. Sure. This is what's the thought and what's the action I have to do in congruency to create a change, more happiness, more success. What's the next thought, the next action. So it's linking, thinking and doing together. And it's gotta be the right thought and the right action simultaneously that creates a difference. And I documented this stuff and it's the first time I wrote about it and finally it's in this book. So the biggest takeaway from you being stuck though, to yep. then get the wheels in motion from going literally broken down with nothing yep. to really show yep. to now worth almost a half a billion dollars or more and growing. Yep. What was the number one thing you did to get unstuck? And what is the number one financial tip you would give someone who feels like they're stuck, who needs to get into that world where their, their cash flow is starting to look good and their budgeting is looking good. What are those two tips? Identity. 
period. End of story. I had to grow my identity. I had a broke person's identity an insecure person's identity. Your identity is in the book. I call it the matrix. And I get into how to program the reticular activating system in your brain. It's in the prefrontal cortex. It's the filter for your entire life. It filters in what's important to you and filters out what's not. Let me give you an example. Your identity is like a thermostat setting sitting on the wall of your freaking life. Your identity is the thoughts, concepts, and beliefs you hold to be the most true about you, your worth, and you will always get your identity. So even if, if I'm a 75 degree of money and I start getting 80, 85, 90 degrees of income, I'm cash flowing, I'm making more and more and more, I will eventually unconsciously sabotage it and find a way to turn the air conditioner back on in my life and get me back to 75 degrees. It'll seem coincidental. My car broke down. I had to loan a friend some money. Ah, the market changed. Baloney. It's never coincidental. It is you turning the air conditioner on to get you back to 75 degrees. And if you don't learn to change that thermostat setting to 80, 85, 90, 100, 120 degrees, you will always cool it back down. You've always done it. People do it in weight loss. They got a 75 degree of fitness. They lose the 20 pounds a year later. They put it all back on. They're back at 75 degrees again. So that is 100% for sure. The difference. I'll give you one more example. If yep. you can learn to program this RAS, which I will teach you to do, you will begin to see things that are important to you that were always there that you're missing the clients, the accounts, the referrals, the relationships. I bought a Tesla Friday. Mm -hmm. I like what Elon's doing right now. I'm like, screw it. I'll back his car. <laughs> I'm about to test the plaid. I drove it for the first time yesterday. Everywhere on the damn road, I'm seeing Teslas now. Three <laughs> lanes over on the other side of the freeway. Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Guess what? They were always there, but they yeah. weren't in my RAS because they weren't important to me. So they, I, they were, I was oblivious to them. The key thing in life, if you can learn to do it, and I learned to do it, and I can teach you to do it, is how to get your accounts, your clients, the growth, your money the investments you need to be your Teslas. And that's what separates people. It's their matrix. Successful people are seeing and hearing and feeling things that are all around you as well that you're missing because you're oblivious to them because you have not programmed them, made them important. And the reason you haven't made them important is because you're a 75 degreer. So I'm going to help you raise your thermostat setting. And I'm also going to help you learn to program yourself so that you see, hear, and feel the things that are already there, that are in abundance that you should be getting. And that's why I say there's not a book like this. I don't, I'm not a book salesperson. I'm not, bl not bl blowing smoke when I say this book will change your life. It's changed my life. No one's written about this stuff in an applicable way before. And so I'm going to help you make your clients, your money grow like the Teslas you see. I love that. I love it. I mean, the, everything makes sense, especially the programming. And I like the way that you break it down to a simple thing that we do every single day. It gives us the ability to also connect to that. That's great storytelling. And it connected with me. That is the sound I'm talking about. It's another sale on Shopify. And Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. What I love about Shopify, similar to what I love about Ed Milet, is he's giving us tips and tricks that only the big behemoths exec and executives knew. Now we know them. And just like that, Shopify is the same. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved only for the huge businesses. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. They can also synchronize their online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Now we've learned on this podcast, what will make or break your pot, what will make or break your podcast, but also your business is the journey of scaling. If it's not done correctly, it can break you. And Shopify will help you with endless 
possibility. Now for Restart, we sell merch. I use Shopify. I've done collaborations with Caitlin and Do. We use Shopify. Caitlin uses Shopify. Like my business, like Caitlin's business, Shopify powers millions of businesses from the first sale to full scale. So go to shopify.com slash secrets. That's all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Just go to shopify.com slash secrets right now. That's shopify.com slash secrets, all lowercase. From a programming perspective, though, that will obviously change your behaviors to execute. You then execute. Momentum will be on your side. Let's talk a little bit about dollars. So you go from nothing, and now you're programmed, and now you're kicking ass, and you're selling, and you're making money. At what point or what dollar amount was like the first million, first 500,000, first 100,000, first 2 million? Do you feel like the snowball was starting to get big, that it was rolling at a pace you didn't even anticipate? Where I'm going with this is if someone's listening, when do they start to see those results from programming become super material? When they should they expect it? And for you, when was that? Well, one was a behavior, brother. I decided pretty early in life that I wanted to be rich, not look rich. So Love like that. a million years ago, there was a year that I made 750 grand. And like, I mean, I know this dates me, but like 1999, I think I made <laughs> 750 grand and my rent was $700 a month. And I was driving a $3,000 car. Stacking paper, stacking paper. I wanted to save. Here's what the first time, brother. My first clear, ridiculously specific goal, which nobody has, was to be totally debt free and completely financially independent. I said that phrase a million times. I'm going to be debt free, completely financially independent, debt free, completely financially independent. And that to me meant I had a house paid off, which was a nothing house, it was $600,000 and a million dollars in the bank. And when I got there, I went, Whew, I'm rich. I am rich. I can play golf three days a week. Except when I got there, my identity was past that. Here's the kicker. Had I not worked on my identity, I'd have got there and went, I'm at my thermostat setting. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And then you relax. Then you stop making calls and you stop growing your business. By the time I got there, let's call that 80 degrees of success. I was a hundred degree of identity and I had to turn the heater on still. So for me, the number was I paid off a house and I had a million bucks in the bank. And I thought, man, they can't get any better than this. I mean, and then I went, you know what, man, I like that place. You know, I'd like a jet. And then I'd like a bigger jet. Then I'd like an even bigger jet. Now I want a Global Express. Then I want to live oceanfront. Now I need a desert place. Man, I need an island. I just bought an island. I got I to have my own island. <laughs> Where'd you island. buy an island? It's off the coast of Portland, Maine. It's called Hope Island. You can look it up. I just bought it. What the it. hell? How much does an island cost? That one wasn't that bad because it was it was several million, but what I'll yeah. put into it is probably 30 million, right? And, and the different things I'm going to do to it, I'll probably, but it, it was, I don't know, eight, nine million bucks when I bought it. But it's 100 acres. It's uh, 20 minutes off the coast. It's got electricity, infrastructure, houses on it, chapels, bars, everything already on this island, horses, stables. But my dream is always been to own an island. And eventually one came up in a part of the country that I love. And I bought that sucker. And now I'm going to make it the best property in the United States. I'm going to dump another 30 million in it. And if I moved that thing to California, it's worth $400 million. Of course, of course. But the point is I kept dreaming. Stay with me on this. I have a whole chapter in the book on it. Okay. Too many people operate out of their history and their memory. Sure. 
their memory. They're just repeating history and memories. And that's what you just said. That's what they're finding references for in their life. You have to operate out of your imagination and your dreams. And I know that sounds hokey, but I'm, I have a big imagination. All of you had a huge imagination when you were a little girl or a little boy, and it gets suppressed as you get older and you become more realistic. You stop dreaming. You gotta, I gotta set, you gotta have some goals and you gotta meet your sales number. And all of a sudden you're not imagining and dreaming anymore. And it suppresses your life. So it's an ability to execute in the present, but imagine to the future. I do it all. I have a muscle built of dreaming and imagining all the time. So I'm constantly with friends in my chair. Hey, look at this house. And not all material. One of my massive goals, because I used to work in an orphanage, is to see if I can care for as many children in my lifetime that are disadvantaged as a man possibly could. So when I want to slow down, I'm like, well, there's millions of children that I still need to help. It doesn't mean I don't want an island because I do but I've got big ambitions of things I want to do in my life that require money. And yeah. those things aren't just material. So Ed, then what at the end of the day, cause you, you move in so many directions at such a high speed and you're doing it at velocities that most people when they're moving just in that direction by itself couldn't achieve. The question is for me, I, I think about some of the cool material things you have that you just said, yeah. but I also think about the really important impactful things that you're doing at the end of the day, when you wake up, what is it that motivates you and what advice do you have for someone that feels like they just don't know anymore what gets them going? They haven't identified what motivates them. By the way, that's totally okay. And I go through stages like that as well. So what gets me going is my standards. You don't get your goals in life every single time. We've all proven that. You will always get your standards. When I coach some of the top athletes or entertainers or politicians one-on-one, people ask me, you know, what makes them different? Their standards are higher. I just have super high standards for who I want to be and what I want to become. Now, if you don't know what you want, that's okay. What I would say first is identify what you're good at. Like, and that may, may sound basic, but I mean, like re- legitimately, what are some of your gifts? Like, is it your new, is it your beauty? Is it your intellect? Is it your humor? Is it your problem solving skills, your touch, your listening ability, your nurturing ability? What are some of your, you know, your intensity, your drive, your courage, your relentlessness, Like, don't be humble. What are the two or three, four gifts you have? And when you can identify those things and then figure out how to apply them in the service of someone else, you got a formula where you want to get up every single day. If you don't want to get up most days, it's not just that you're lost. It's that you're not using your gifts. It's impossible to get up every day when you've got a gift that you know is yours and you have them, by the way. And if you don't know what they are, ask the people who you love that love you what they think they are in you. I'm serious. Because I get up and go, I get to use my ability to read people. I get to be my ability to love people. I get to use my ability to communicate every single day of my life. And it's easy. I'm not saying that achievements aren't hard. They are. But the process of being me is easy. What you're really saying is, I'm not being true me. I'm doing something every day that's not really me. And I want the money that I could get from doing it. But it's not really me. And when you begin to know you, like, bro, it's obvious. I mean, all the gifts you've had, the success you've had in different different media sectors, but this right here, it's very obvious why you're good at it. It plays to your giftedness, it plays mm-hmm. to your experience, your ability to listen and communicate, your insights. So you don't probably most days, I bet you have other things you do. You're like, ah, oh, it's on my calendar. I got to do this. Hell yeah, all the but time. I, but I bet when it's the podcast, you're like, I can't wait for it. I get to do it. I'm so excited takes, about it. Because it takes advantage of what your giftedness is. And so this whole thing of, I'm a, I'm a successful man, not because I have lots of money. 
I have a sister who's a school teacher. Just so stay with me because I want everyone to have a ton of money. It's a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been happy, poor, and happy rich. Happy rich is a billion times better. <laughs> okay? Trust me. I've flown commercial and I've flown on my Global Express a billion times. <laughs> I've had Del Taco and I've had the best steak at Del Frisco's. It's better at Del Frisco's. <laughs> Trust me. I've had my parents broke and I've paid off their house and paying off their house is better. Trust me. But having said all that, my sister's a school teacher. She makes 30,000 bucks a year. She's successful. You want to know why? Takes advantage of her two or three gifts. She's a teacher. She's a nurturer. She loves children. Every day is not a grind for her to get up and go teach that class because she's in her giftedness. Man, find these gifts. This is, this is, and by the way, it might take you more than a week, but the pursuit of identifying those gifts and then how do I apply it? What can I do for other people with it? Maybe it's not just your career. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a side hustle. You got your career, you're side hustling now using this gift of yours, but pursue it. That's where richness comes. That's where the big bucks come. That's where you won't get fatigued all the time. I want to ask about some of your setbacks too, because I, I completely agree with everything you just said. One of the things I talk about in the book is I did this exercise by myself. I asked my closest buddies, my parents, my friends, what they thought of my career, my trajectory and where I was. I then myself with no influence, no technology or anything, I wrote down the same exact answers to the same questions. It was fascinating as everything that they said was completely polar opposite of what I was, right? Like go-getter, great future, going to be a CEO of the bank, everything he wants, where I was lost, confused, not happy, not satisfied. And to your point, if you haven't understood yourself and your identity to the bedrock of who you are, you'll never be able to navigate and find the success in really any level. And you'll never achieve pinnacle greatness until you've identified really what defines you, what skill sets you have, what learned abilities and making sure that you're channeling that. Couldn't agree more with you. I want to talk about some setbacks because you already mentioned it. And I read, and again, you never know what you read online, but as I'm doing research, it did say a couple times you did you had uh, claimed bankruptcy. So in those times where you believed in what you were doing and you knew what the plan was, but it wasn't working when it came to some of the financial things, what was rock bottom like for you? And what would you have done differently knowing what you know now? Okay. So the good news is luckily I've never claimed bankruptcy. So those I, are bullshit but, articles yeah, online. Yeah, Let's they are. Get but, them out. <laughs> but I will say, I, maybe I should have, you know, I, I ended up paying everybody off, but maybe I should have, but I've never gone there. But I have been broke. I've had, like I said, I've had a house uh, foreclosed. I've had cars repoed. I've had those. I remember one time my wife came back. She goes, my car was stolen this morning, babe. I'm like, oh, I can't get any worse than this. Hour later, I found out, yeah, it turns out it is worse. It wasn't stolen. It was repoed. So I've had those moments. Um, I've been broke. I've been beyond broke. I've been where like, I, I'll be really honest with you, where I wondered, I got so broke a couple of times. I wondered my value of being alive. I wonder that. And uh, so what would I have done differently? I would have had way more self-confidence. And let me tell you what self-confidence is. And this is why a lot of you don't want to get up in the morning. You don't have, a, I, I'm going to speak from my own experience rather than put it on you. I didn't have a very good reputation with myself. Self-confidence is a reputation with yourself. And here's the truth about me back in those days. I didn't keep the promises I made to me. I'd say I'd get up at six and I'd get up at 6.45. I'd say I'd drink a gallon of water every day. I wouldn't. I'd say I was going to eat 2,000 calories and not 3,000. I'd eat 3,000. I'd say I'd make 15 sales calls that day. I'd make three. I couldn't trust me. And because I couldn't trust me, I had no self-confidence. And if I could go back, I would have said, Ed, this isn't that complicated, brother. Start keeping the small promises you make to yourself. And I did. I started going, this may sound stupid, Jason. I said, I'm going to set my clothes out for the next day, the night before. I'm going to get up at six o'clock. 
I'm going to stretch and work out for an hour. When I get up, I'm going to make X amount of calls. I can control my body. I'm going to do 30 minutes on the treadmill. The truth is, bro, I never do 30. That's why the book's called the power of one more. I always do one more minute. Ooh, I like it. So I'm doing 31. And so I started keeping the promises I made to myself. Stay with me, everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I changed my standard. I don't just do what I've promised myself. This is where I exploded my life. I do one more. So I do one more rep in the gym, one more call than I said, one more meeting than I said. I tell my daughter I love her one more time a day. And I started not just keeping the promises I made, I started doing one more than what I promised myself. And I became a monster. I became a monster of self-confidence. The dude who was going broke couldn't trust himself. The dude who got pretty average and ordinary could trust himself. The dude who built a magnificent life did one more than what he told himself he was going to do. The power this of book's one about. more. There is and a that, power, bro. And let me say with you, I'm gonna say one thing about it. Yeah. This is the premise of the book. I want everyone to hear me on this. We'll get as detailed about money as you want. The premise of the book is you're much closer to having the life you want than you believe you are. Your problem is not that you don't have a vision for your life. You have a vision for your life. You know how you want to feel, where you want to go. You'd like to have a damn island. You'd like 25 million bucks. You'd like all that stuff. Your problem is you think you're further away from it than you are. And because you think you're so far away, you pace yourself or get down about it. And let me tell you, I opened the book with this. You are one decision, one meeting, one thought, one relationship, one podcast listening to like today, one emotion away from completely changing your life. Give you an example. Played golf two weekends ago. A guy gets introduced to me, a guy goes, similar net worth to you guys worth about, you know, $800 million at the time. I said, Hey man, I want to hear your story. He goes, well, man, about 30 years ago, a guy asked me for a $50,000 loan. Me and my buddy both loaned him the 50 grand. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, my buddy asked for the money back a week later and the guy gave it to him. I didn't ask for the money back. It turned into $700 million. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. Who was it? He goes, Jeff Bezos. Jeez. <laughs> and I go, you're kidding me. Yeah, and now, by the way, that's an extreme example of he was one relationship and one decision away from a completely different life. It took a while to materialize. Sure. But that's when it happened. All of you, you don't have that Jeff Bezos moment, but you are one decision, one moment, one connection, one meeting, one breakthrough away from a completely different life. And if you don't start believing that, you will never have them. Because if you keep thinking it's so far away, you will keep that frame of reference in the distance the rest of your life. But if you could begin to wake up with expectation, I wonder who the relationship is. I wonder what the decision is. I wonder what the meeting is. I wonder what I'm going to learn today. I wonder what contact, I wonder what investment, I wonder what account with an expectation and anticipation that that one more is there in your reticular activating system, you will eventually find them. That is not puffery, or feel good, you know, heebie-jeebie stuff. It's actually real. You're one away. I have a massive trading secret for you. I got to take a quick break from the Ed Milet podcast, but here's a huge trading secret you got to know about. June 19th, June 19th, it's Father's Day this year. So here's a little gift, giving wisdom from Omaha Steaks. Dads want steaks. And with Father's Day around the corner, there isn't a better gift than Omaha Steaks. So here's what you're going to do. Just visit omahasteaks.com and then type secrets in the search bar and order the Dads Want Steaks package. For just $99, the limited time package includes 16 mouthwatering entrees. He's guaranteed to love the smoky tender bacon wrapped filet mignons. I'm obsessed with those. The gourmet jumbo franks and their air chilled boneless chicken breasts. And they have the sweet finish all lined up for dad they have delicious caramel apple tartlets getting hungry just thinking about it and as a special gift for my listeners when you type secrets into the search bar and order the dad's want steaks package you'll also get 
eight free Omaha Steaks burgers. These burgers are full of bold, beefy flavor made from 100% Omaha Steaks. And they're bigger than ever at a whopping six ounces. Don't wait. Send dad more than just a gift. Send him an experience he'll love and can share with you. Go to omahasteaks.com, type secrets into the search bar and order Dad Wants Steaks package. You'll get 16 entrees and four dessert plus eight free Omaha Steak Burgers. All right, one away. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of the things you said are going to connect so deeply with our audience because I know my audience also feels a lot of imposter syndrome. It's yeah. a thing they feel, like you said, they are so far away from yes. where they think they will be. And all the things you just said, I th- I could, I literally imagine most of our listeners sitting down with a pen and paper, they're taking notes right now. But the one thing is, is on paper, they'll know what to do. They'll know what they got to do. The problem is when they get in those circumstances, they're not the best version of themselves because they deal with imposter syndrome. Yeah. In your book or in your experience, what advice would you give to them? Got a whole chapter on it, brother. Here's I love the that. Here's the whole deal. Okay. And I'll elaborate in the book, but this is important for everybody to get. Okay. Write this down. There is a power to intention. Intention. So many of you, I have a, I had a coach, I had a call the other day and I'll be honest with you. I got a little of it. This guy used to lead a country. And before we were getting on the call, I'm like, whew, now this one, what's he going to listen to me for? Sure. Right. You don't have to have all the answers. People feel energy from you. And so here's what I want you to begin to give yourself confidence in and credit for your intent, your intent to serve, your intent to do good, your intent to contribute. When you begin to link, is this true of me? Am I a good woman? Do I want to help these people? Is my heart open? Do I, am I a good woman? Am I a good man? Do I want to make a difference? My self-confidence, my imposter syndrome drops away when it's about my intention. He becomes a giant imposter when it's about my ability. You will always be chasing your confidence and this imposter syndrome if you link it to your ability. The truth is, everybody who's ever done something great didn't know what the hell they were doing the majority of the time. Trust me, I know almost all of them. Steve Wozniak's a very good friend, founded a company called Apple. <laughs> you think when he and Jobs founded Apple, they knew there was going to be an iPhone or an iPad? No, they were a board company actually. And they started that company and moved into that space with what they knew at that time. If you'd have told him, Hey, you're going to be the most influential company of all time, Steve Wozniak, he'd go, I'm an imposter. You're crazy. There's no way. But what we do is we put ourselves into these space based on our intent. And when we get there, we become resilient and relentless and resourceful to find the answers and the solutions. Here's the truth. Some of my favorite salespeople, favorite leaders in business say this sentence more often than others. I don't know, but I'll find out. That's a powerful sentence that endears trust. Someone who has every answer, I don't trust them because no one should have all the answers. You know what else is a powerful sentence? Hey, I was wrong. I made a mistake. You know what? I trust you more when you say that. That's why I don't trust any politicians. They never go, hey, I screwed up. They've always got an excuse. So as a salesperson, as a leader, link your, your, your confidence to your intention to serve. I, we become on here today. I don't have every answer. I don't know yeah. everything, sure. but I know this. I showed up today, man, as a good man, trying to serve people and make a difference for them. I wrote my book to serve people. That's why I started with that because I even opened the podcast with that sentence. The reason is, is I don't have every single answer. Nobody does, but I intend to find them and I can share the ones I have and I'll give you my best and you can trust me and I care. And I, my, my self-confidence is through the roof because I know that about me. And guess what? 
everyone. You know that about you. You start walking in a room and you freaking own that room. You own that room because you intend to do good. You intend to make a difference. You're not perfect. Neither has anybody who's ever done anything great in their life. And it makes me emotional because so many people have this flawed belief that I got to be perfect. I got to know everything. I got to be a badass. That's all social media crap, man. The truth is the people with the purest hearts and the best intent that then give themselves credit for that. Those are the ones you think Elon Musk knows everything about space travel. No, you think he knows everything about electric cars. Are you out of your damn mind? You ever watch the other engineers around Elon when he's talking, even his own team, they're almost rolling their eyes. Watch the documentary on Netflix. Like this dude is, he doesn't know everything, but he intends to do something great. He intends to change the world. He owns the space because of his intention. Not everything he knows. That's the flawed belief you all have. What if your intention is a little bit egotistical? What if your intention isn't? Because you said something about like, you don't have to be picture perfect, right? You have to be who you are. And so if your intention is like for ego or to get attention or something, do you think that you should be thinking your intentions? Or do you think it's okay to be honest with yourself? Listen, my intention for this move is literally just to make money. Or my intention for this is to literally just drive my ego so I could maybe like the second book, I could just sell a bestseller or get the New York Times bestseller. Is there something wrong with having intentions that might not seem politically correct? Because I think people struggle with that. No. At different stages of your life, you'll have different intent. I have a whole chapter on something Tony Robbins talks a lot about, and I sort of use it a little bit differently. It's called the six needs. And as humans at different times in our life or people we lead, people we influence and ourselves, we have different needs. The needs are, I'll do them quickly, certainty, like stability. Uh, This will work out. It's going to be okay. Uncertainty, which is variety. The third is love or connection with people. That's a big need. The fourth is a big one, man. Significance, recognition. The fifth is growth. And the sixth is contribution. At any given time in our lives, one or two of those needs is dominant for us. And it's none of them are better or worse than the other. When I was young, if you'd asked me to do this podcast at 25 years old, you said, hey man, the audience is huge. They're gonna love you. You're gonna get all kinds of accolades. I wanted significance and recognition. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I wanted to be rich. I wanted what came with that. I wanted the influence. I wanted the notoriety. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That was my need at that time. Now that I've been overdosed with that, quite frankly, that's not my big need. Now it's growth and contribution. For some of you listening to this, your dominant need right now is love. You want to be a part of a team. Someone's going to really push your buttons in business. They need to make you a part of the family. Other people are, I don't need to be a part of the family. I'm going to be number one and kick everyone's ass. That's significance and recognition. None is wrong, but own it. Get to know oneself. Hey man, my dominant need right now is significance. I want to crush everything. I want to win. I want to be rich. Own it. That's your intent. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But you got to know yourself. Rob Deerdick is a friend of mine who's, you know, MTV Rob, but he's also a great entrepreneur. Yeah, he's been on the pod. uh, He's amazing. He's a stud and we're partners in a business together. And when we were talking at one time, I'll tell you this really quickly. I go, yeah, man, I've grown out of recognition and significance. I'm much more growth and contribution now, you know? And he goes, yeah, me too. And then like a month later, we're at a Rams game together and he leans over randomly. Like we haven't talked about this in a month. He goes, dude, we're full of crap. (laughs) And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'm still addicted to recognition and significance, man. Everyone that's come over to take a picture with you. I'm like, why aren't they taking one with me? I go, I was thinking the same thing with you. (laughs) And he goes, but, but I get my significance now by contributing. Hmm. That's the methodology for me. And I think just starting to understand that the chapter on that man is one of those chapters. I think if y'all read it, you're going to go, wow, I understand humans and myself much more 
and how to work within what my needs are, not everyone else's needs. I did not write this book like based on me. I wrote this book based on all six of those different personality types, and it will change as you evolve or, or, or as just a circumstance change. It's not an evolution. Wanting to grow is not better than wanting to be significant. It's just different. I love Rob Deerdeck. I love that story. He came out and when he talked about how he gamifies his life, I was blown yeah. away. It's one of the most. He loves, to, he loves to say optimization. Optimization. He? He but yeah, the yeah. shit he does on a day-to-day basis to gamify his life, it's it's wild. I want to get back. I want to get to the next step though. And by the way, guys, I don't have this book in front of me. I, I honestly just think we're covering chapter by chapter because we're taking a sequence here through your journey to identify, through identify, having the confidence to go into a meeting, the sales opportunities, the things you got to do to persuade, the last step I got for you that I know a lot of my following and audience deals with is, is performance anxiety and performance pressure. You've done it on stages with stadiums sold out, and you've done it, like you just said, talking to leaders of different countries. What are things you're doing before those meetings? What are things you're doing before you walk on that stage? Or what tips and tricks do you utilize while you're on that stage to make sure that all the culmination of everything that's happening before you got 30 seconds or 20 minutes or 15 minutes to make it all happen. Your life's work in 15 minutes. What type of things do you do that our listeners can then apply to how they do things when it comes to a presentation or performance anxiety? I focus on something called equanimity, which is uh, there's a whole chapter called one more level of equanimity. Equanimity is calmness under duress, calmness under stress. For me, that begins with my breathing. So one of the things I'm very conscious of before I speak, before I do anything is slowing down and controlling my breathing. That helps your heart rate. And I'm not going to get really detailed on this, but it helps you get into what we call heart or brain coherence. Dr. Joe Dispenza is really good at this, better at it than I am at teaching it. But I try to slow things down. When we get really nervous and really worked up, we talk faster, we think faster. People can sense that pacing. A confident person is a little bit slower, believe it or not. They slow things down. They slow their breathing down. And so one of my huge things I focus on is getting my body in a peak state and doing something called slowing down my breathing. The other thing I teach in the book is something called triggers or anchors. And this is something that you can just do that when you are in a peak state, believe it or not, a highly emotional state with a physical move creates a trigger neurologically in your brain programs it. So when you do something good, if you just snaps your fingers, for example, you just had a great sales call, snap your fingers. You just made a great speech, snap your fingers. You just did a workout in the gym, snap your fingers. When you're in an emotional state that's linked to a physical trigger, you do that repeatedly, okay? And I teach you how to do it in the book. It's not complicated. Then when I'm backstage, I can snap my fingers and it reverses me back into that state. So you can own it physically. So when I say there's things in the book, man, that have never been taught before, I'm not BSing you. And so for me, anytime I do something great, you'll hear me snap my fingers a lot because that's when I always, but it could be touch your shirt, grab your ear, smile, whatever it might be. There's a move. Athletes do it all the time. You ever watch a baseball game and watch a golfer with their putter or a fighter beat their chest or a batter wiggle their bat, take two practice swings or Peyton Manning under the center, Omaha or whatever (laughs) the routine is, right? Brady, let's go. These are (laughs) triggers that create a state. Athletes do it crazy. I work on my athletes with it. Salespeople should have them too. I'm thinking right at the, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking of Matthew McConaughey, Leonardo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, and he actually perfect. did that though. Like that scene, as you probably it's perfect. know. And that's, that's actually, a powerful state, but you sure. can do it where, what if you're in a, like if you meditate or pray, let's just say you do that. Sure. What if you just, when you're done, just do a, something where you link that state, slow down your breathing. You just do it repeatedly every day. You're going to find that when you go back right before that sales call and you go, 
you enter that state more often than not. So that's how I control my breathing and how I get into that state was called a trigger. One last question on performance, because you had mentioned, obviously, confidence speaks slow, but like the way that they should articulate. And you you messaged and talked about things that you want to see out of people that are doing it the right way. Is there, because I, but I've also seen out of you uh, situations where you're coming out and you're like fiery red and you got sweat coming because you got so much energy. Yeah. Do you think there's something wrong with just showing like the true emotion, even if it does make you speak faster, or speak louder, or you start sweating? Like, what's no. your take on that? Know the room. Know the room. So if I'm speaking and it's a, one of those moments where I'm allowed to unleash and I'm talking about being the one <laughs> in my family and the one more, I'm going to unleash. If I'm at a funeral, I'm not going to act that way. I, here's the thing with salespeople. They don't ever read the room. They don't read the room. They're so into them. This is what would move me. So that's how I talk. So you only get clients like you. You only hire people like you. I know this because I used to be this way. You would look around my organization, man, 20 years ago. Everyone was like a male jacked up athlete <laughs> ath or cop or, you know, and no women. And then all of a sudden now my following is 75% women. Why? Because I began to express different parts of my personality. So yeah, I'm a masculine, intense, pretty strong dude. I'm also a guy with insecurities who loves people, who's kind, who's gentle. I feel like one of my roles in the world is to show men that a man can be strong, at the same time, be very kind and gentle. And, and you notice I'm even talking differently when I do it, which is very strange, right? Like I, I have a daughter. I, my daughter doesn't need a screaming dad. <laughs> she needs a strong daddy who loves her and hugs her. And sometimes a sales call requires me to hug and love somebody. And sometimes it requires me to man up and be intense. And so whether you're a male or a female, it's read the room, understand what's, what's required, and then authentically show that part of your personality. Don't create it where it's fake because people can sense that. But for me, it's, I just know the room. If it's a room where we need to get fired up and charged up, man, let's unleash this beast. And if it's a room where we need to get quiet and reflective about what we're doing here, because it matters so much to your family that we make sure this happens for them. If I'm selling life insurance to somebody, I'm not screaming in their living room. I'm leaning in and getting quiet. And there's a pace to me that's different because this may be the only chance I'm going to have to help your family. And I love your family. I love your family because I love mine. And I know what it's like to care about your children and want to make sure they're going to be okay if you're not here, Dad. Right. So it depends on the room. Ed Milet has been one heck of a guest. And one of the things he's teaching us about is illusion, right? Illusion versus reality. And that's where we're going to take a quick break because when you look at dog bags and you look at the dog food, you see pictures of an illusion, bright carrots and juicy steaks. But when you open the bag, all you get is stale, smelly pellets. Dog food needs some fresh thinking. Enter in the farmer's dog, who we have used since day one with our boys around in Pino. It's real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies, gently steamed in human-grade kitchens to preserve the nutritional value. All you'll do is tell them about your dog, and they deliver a personalized, vet-developed meal plan for as little as three bucks a day. Meals arrive in pre-portions, ready-to-serve packets, and because they're delivered on your schedule, you'll never run out. Think about how many times you have to go get things and you forget when we're just running out of of meals for ramen and pino, boom, it's on the front doorstep. Dog people everywhere have ordered more than 200 million meals from the farmer's dog. It's never been easier to invest in your dog's long-term health with fresh food, and you could do it today. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at the farmer's dog. 
farmersdog.com slash secrets. Plus you get free shipping. Just go to the farmersdog.com slash secrets to get 50% off. That's the farmersdog.com slash secrets. We've been using this stuff for ramen and pinot for three years now. The farmersdog.com slash secrets. And I got one more question for you, and then we're going to go in your trading secret. The idea of giving a trading secret at the end of every show is it's something they can't find in a textbook or learn in a classroom. They can only learn from Ed as it relates to financial navigation and career navigation. But before we do that, I got to ask you about your different revenue streams because Mm -hmm. you have so many things going on. We already talked about the book one. You got book two coming out. I've looked at your podcast. I've looked at your numbers. You have over 10,000 reviews. I mean, that's a clear indication of monster, monster success and downloads. Uh, and you have social media that you're crushing it on now. You have your businesses that you made your wealth even before social media. You have several different businesses. When you look at like your PL of where revenue streams are, are really having success and where you want to spend most of your time based on the numbers, what does that look like for Ed? Well, for me now, the um, place that I want to spend the most time is the ones where I bring the most value add. It's not a revenue thing for me. But if we're going to go back and what I think people here need to do, it would be that there's a lie that's true. And the lie that's true is that people tell you all wealthy people have multiple streams of income, right? That is a fact that is not really true. And let me tell you what I mean. Most wealthy people got wealthy on one massive stream of income they got great at. And then when they became wealthy, they diversified into multiple streams. Too many people right now are a a master of nothing. They're doing 11 different things. And you're not going to beat a dude like me who's great at one thing if you're not mastered one thing. My advice to you is get great at one thing. Be the best in the world at what you do and get wealthy that way. And as you begin to build that wealth, then diversify into multiple streams. That's one of these things that's just so sad about social. You got to do 15 different things. Good luck. Good luck to you. You're going to compete against people that are the, you want to play quarterback in the NFL while you're learning to play the piano, but you're going to beat Tom Brady. Are you out of your damn mind? Think about that in business. <laughs> that right? is a beautiful analogy. And, and Brady, by the way, is a analogy. great example. He spent 10 years doing nothing but winning football games. Now he's got Brady this, brand this and, and that, crypto yeah. and all this other stuff, right? You, Mark Cuban, very wealthy guy. He built one big business and sold it. Then he built another one, right? Zuckerberg built Facebook guys. Then he got diverse, right? Elon had uh, PayPal or whatever it was. So if you want to know how to get wealthy, get great at something, be great at it, then diversify. Don't do, you can't be in the mortgage business. You're pitching cookies and crackers. Like all these people are like in 11 different deals. I'm like, you're going to get crushed. Do something and get great at it. And then shift into diversification. That is a beautiful take. We're going to go into your trading secret. I just have one more question I don't want to overlook. I think that our audience that follows and listens would really get a kick out of this. But you do mentor and coach some of the best and biggest leaders in the country, some Mm -hmm. of the largest celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. What is one misconception that us individuals here just listen to a podcast, trying to put ourselves in a better financial career position, wouldn't know? about some of the most elite individuals that you are coaching and mentoring? What is a miscommon perception we have of those people? That they want to mentor because they lack two things that all human beings want more of. They want more clarity. They're not as clear as they want to be. You'd be surprised. And they lack self-confidence. They want more self-confidence. They may not lack it to the degree you do, but they know for them to get to the next level, they need more confidence and more clarity. Complexity is the enemy of execution. 
And the bigger you get, the more successful you become. More text messages, more emails, more businesses, more distractions, more problems, right? More friends, more parties to go to, more events, more stuff. And so their life becomes more complex and they have a problem executing because of lack of clarity. And so, and that's just true for someone all the way back that we said earlier who can't get up in the morning. There's not a clarity about their day. The higher you climb, the more incumbent upon you and the more difficult it is to have clarity, to have confidence. You talk about imposter syndrome, the higher you climb, you exceed that identity. No matter who you are, you could be a politician leading a country. You could be an actor who's just won their first Academy Award. And you're like, they're going to figure out I'm not good. How am I going to do it twice? Repeating as a world champion UFC fighter is harder than winning the title. Staying on top is harder because now you're like, everyone's out to get me. I've got all these distractions. I've got to do commercials. I've got this thing. I got this pitch. I got this. And they, they need more clarity and more confidence. So if they need more clarity and more confidence, what is it that you need? A lot more clarity and a lot more confidence because they know that's their pathway. It's got to be yours. I love it. What an answer. Ed, this has been an unbelievable podcast. I'm going to re-listen to this and take some notes. I'll certainly be buying both of your books. So I appreciate that. But can you leave us with one trading secret, one secret that someone couldn't find in a textbook or classroom, but could only get from Ed as it relates to financial navigation or career navigation? Career navigation. One, uh, understand what you're actually selling to people. Because I don't think you do. You're actually selling happiness. And you're like, well, no, 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 you don't understand. Like I sell microchips. No, no, no. You're selling happiness. All great business people link what they do to people being happier. And they'll actually say those phrases. Let me give you an example. Number one seller of food in the history of the United States and the world. It's a company called McDonald's. Their food is crap. They're also the number one holder of real estate in the world. You want to know why? They're not in the food business. They are not in the real estate business. They're in the happiness business. They are so good. They got people to link hamburgers to happiness. Their mascot's a clown. A clown. What does a clown have to do with meat and French fries? Nothing. The number one meal they have, what do they call it? A happy, happy meal. meal. They, the number one seller of another product they have in their place is called Coca-Cola. If you buy a Coke, which is a carbonated beverage, you know what you get with your Coke? A smile. You had a Coke and a smile. Steve Jobs built this little company called Apple. If you go back on YouTube and look at how he'd roll out a computer, he would not describe its megabytes or megahertz or speed. He would describe it. Isn't she beautiful? How happy would you be if you could bring her home with you? He linked it to happiness. So to the extent that you can begin to create a linkage to happiness in your product or your service in a very creative, nuanced way. I mean, even though to say, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to be happy you did this. You're going to be happy you did this. And you, that's the most direct approach. Link happiness to the product. And I'm telling you, you will have momentum like you've never had before. On investing, it's really simple. Don't invest in something you can't explain to me. If you can't explain it, if you don't understand it, your money should not be in it. If it's that complicated that you cannot regurgitate it back to me, there's a probability you're going to lose money or a probability that you will get taken advantage of. So educate yourself before you put money somewhere. Understand it. I know this from my own experience. And the best investment you can make in your life is in you. Invest in books, invest in podcasts, invest in events, because that will grow you. The center of my investment universe is me. I'm the cash cow. I'm the guy who generates the income. And then I invest in stuff that I understand. I invest in stuff that I can understand. And if I can't explain it to you, I will not invest in it. Like NFTs, they're probably a great thing. I just still don't get it. It doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. In fact, people that I really admire and respect tell me for sure this is a pathway to the future. Once I can explain it, and I still can't, 
Once I can explain it, if I believe in it, then I will be investing in that space. Before that, I will not. Doesn't mean you should or shouldn't. I'm just telling you that those are my barometers for when I invest money in anything I do. And that's a full circle moment to exactly when you said, I don't have all the answers. I know when to say, I don't know. And it's a pure example right there. And I will tell you, we've had some really cool guests on this show. Kevin O'Leary, Gary V. You said Rob Deerdeck, A-Rod. And I think if I had like brain simulators on during this podcast and we were like measuring, I think this is the most stimulated I've ever been in a conversation from start to finish. I genuinely mean that. Uh, And maybe that just goes to the way that you can capture attention, but it's absolutely impressive. What you've done is remarkable. We'll be following along with everything. And where can people uh, get the book and find more of you uh, if they so want to come follow along? Social media is Ed Milet, which is M-Y-L-E-T-T. I have one of the top podcasts in the world, YouTube as well. And the book, you know, you can get anywhere you want. It's called The Power of One More. And I'd encourage you to go get it today. And brother, you are, I do a lot of shows, man. Like you ask different questions, very different questions than anywhere that I've been. And it was a really, really an honor to spend the time with you. It flew by. Likewise, likewise. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Hope to meet you in person one day. Congrats on the book and and we'll be in touch. Hey, brother. God bless you. Thanks, Ed. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to one of the most electric, I don't want to say, I don't want to say outrageous, but energetic, uh, poised slash influential individuals I think we've ever had. I mean, holy smokes, there's a lot of content in that. So David, I think what I want to do is because there are so many takeaways and so much content, I want to get your top three takeaways and your top three takeouts. So like, what are the three things that he said that landed with you? What are the three things he said that you're like, eh, that's not for me? So Ed Milet, we got the curious Canadian here. David, what do you got? I got that this guy's a beast. First and foremost, an absolute <laughs> beast of a human. Um, I'm terrified to even say like something that maybe didn't agree with him. I feel like he's gonna, just going to like show up on my door and just like stare at me. But um, the guy <laughs> is a beast. I have typed in capital letters, couldn't type as fast as the advice was coming in. So regardless of my takes, I'm sure you at home got a take. But one of my takeaways that I'm definitely going to have, and I know we've talked about this a lot, I want to put it out there. He said the most important turning point for him to become successful was the reputation that he had with himself. He said, the small promises you make, holding yourself accountable, the power of one more, and then eventually changing his standard. I just thought that was such a good takeaway, real world real world example that we all use in our own lives. It le- When he said that, it landed with me so much because how many times do you kind of like lie or cheat to yourself, but you're like, I can get away with it, right? Like, I'll eat, I'll do this. I had a rule and I was going to go to bed at this certain time, but I don't No, You know, it's all good. And what he was saying is like, every time you're lying to yourself like that, your confidence and your security goes to shit. And there's that can impact your imposter syndrome. It landed with me too. I'm on the same page. Jason, how, for the people at home, how many times do we make sure through our group chat that we hold each other accountable? It's outrageous. We literally, <laughs> guys, for your listening, this is how nuts we are, okay? We'll do Wordle and David will like, David's like one of the best Wordle guys out there. So we will make him screenshot his Wordle and we all now do stopwatches where we time ourselves with our Wordle to see how long it takes us and everything. Like, hey, did we work out today? It'll be like 7 p.m. David will be like, hey, did you hit the gym? Be like, no, man, busy days. Okay, stop what you're doing right now. Go 45 minutes, dude. That's it. 45 minutes and you'll feel great about this day. And these are the type of things we do. And these are the type of things that like help us. If you're better, I'm better. David, if David's better, I'm better. Let's go. 
we screen record our wordles now so we can make sure no one cheats. It's epic. <laughs> um, my second biggest takeaway was him talking about finding your giftedness. And he said, once you find your gifts and you apply your gifts, no longer do you have that fatigue, that feeling of like, oh, I don't want to do this, that dragging down feeling. You're able to pursue what that is. And over time, it builds and builds and builds. He actually had a really good compliment to you. He said, podcast plays to your giftedness, Jason. And I'm sure you have things on the calendar that you look and say, oh God, I don't want to do this. I just found like identifying and applying your giftedness to things that mean something to you, that you know you're good at, that you add value in people's lives. And I thought just finding that is really, really important. And maybe my question in that takeaway to you is, you know, how do you, how do you find that? Um, everyone has things that they're gifted at. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that also landed with me is because how many people go through life that didn't really be able to establish what their gift is. What if like naturally you're just really a good, like you can learn music quickly, like you're gifted in that way, but you actually never took a lesson or something like that. And I think the only way to do it is really pay attention to understand yourself and just fucking try things. Go do something different. Go take a karate or jujitsu lesson. Go take a music lesson. Go hiking. Like do something you haven't done. Go painting. Whatever it might be, you have no idea what you might find out that like naturally you are way ahead of the masses at. And then once you do that, you can really accelerate into it. Uh, I, that kind of goes into my last takeaway that I'll talk about is you asked him about his net worth and he said, uh, four, $400 million. Is that accurate? He goes, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was funny, but the takeaway was he said, a comedy said that has exponentially grown later in life. He talked about, you know, being 21 and how his power and his water was shut off. And then he talked about if he had to come on the podcast at 25, he'd be spewing you a bunch of bullshit. Like he used his giftedness to find himself later in life. And I just, a takeaway is like, I think the demographic of the listener of our podcast is right in that, you know, 25 to 50 range. And to know and hear again from another super, super successful person that this is happening in 40s to 50s. It's not necessarily happening in the, in the, in your 20s or even in your 30s. So um, it's always a positive takeaway to know that, okay, if I'm applying these things that he's saying, if I'm holding myself accountable, and then that snowballs into, understanding my giftedness. Like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like it's, that's the whole thing, right? It's never too late. Don't you think that like, don't you think, and I always say like, it's never too late to restart. Now, listen, I don't like to, I'm not getting into religion and politics. It's not what I do, but I do this is, and I mean this in a joking manner. No one take offense to this, but like the story goes that Jesus Christ was, uh, a contractor, right? I mean, the guy was hammering, apparently, whatever you believe, he was hammering nails into wood until he was like 29. That's the story. And at like 30, then he became like, everything changed. And here it is thousands of years later, we like worship. A lot of people like worship and look up to Jesus Christ. Like if, if any, anyone can restart, like at any time, any moment you're calling could come, it's never too late. Right. I mean, what's your, what's your take on that? Like, do you agree with that? It's like literally never too late. My, I mean, that's an incredible example. And all <laughs> I, and all I can speak to is like, there's just too many examples out there. You've used the sharks. You've 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 used a lot of people who have gone through these same things. Like it's it's factual. You can't argue with. There's too many people doing it and and doing it later in life. And I just think that's one of those things. Sometimes you just got to hear it. 
Like you got to hear it to believe it once you hear and believe it and kind of goes with what he was saying, your RAS awareness system change, you know, how you see or feel your touch or hear things and make them important to you. I think the more that this happens, the better it is. Yeah, exactly. All right. Those are your three takeaways. What are you taking out, David? What? Uh, because I mean, there was just so much content, so much good stuff. There had to be some stuff you're like, eh, that's not for me. Well, I can't be the curious Canadian uh, without <laughs> being a little too curious about some things. Uh, so one thing that I'm not going to take this out, but when someone is that energetic, that adamant, that like, you know, sure of something, everything that you said, he's like, that's a great point. These are the six words. These are the eight steps. These are, it's like he has a formula for everything. And I'm like, how do you take every situation and funnel it into one of the things that happens to be in the book, which is must, I'm reading the book, the guy again, what did he say about selling Jason? He said, don't try and get people to believe what you're saying. Make people believe that you believe in what you're saying. He's a master He's at done that. that job. He oh, has he, done that job. So I'm not going to take it out. I'm just going to put like a, a question, a TBD behind it until I read the book and just seeing if everything does really relate and make sense the way he said it does. What was your, did you, did you get that vibe? Like, wow, he has an answer for everything. Well, it's, it's, it's guys, that's media training, right? Like he's a G he's a G he's very smart genius level and he's an extremely sharp sales man. I mean, no one sells like this guy. And so this is all tactics of taking questions and turning them into the message that you want them to hear and bringing it back to his book and what he's selling and positioning. It's brilliant. You could tell he's an elite professional at it. And he probably does it at these big events too. People ask questions, you have to find answers. So yeah, I agree with that one. Any other takeouts? Yeah. I <sighs> I don't want to say that this is a takeout because I'm an athlete and he talked that he works with his athletes about this, but the level of equanimity that he talked about um, and he used the finding something, a tick to get uh, a trigger to get you in like a state. Mm -hmm. um, so like he used this snapping example. There's other examples that are out there. How much are you buying? And you used like the Wolf of Wall Street example. Is that something that you do subconsciously or, or, or consciously or not to kind of get you in the mindset? Um, it definitely was the only thing that came across to me is a little bit of uh I, I don't, don't I don't like I don't I think it's it's a it was a fair answer. I think some people could do it. I don't habitually have anything like that. Maybe I'll start, maybe I'll try, maybe it'll work. I'll try it. Will you try it? I'll try it. I'll try I'm the most superstitious person ever. I need to get on the golf course and have a, a what is it? Yeah, equanimity like to sink my putts or not hit a ball in the other <laughs> fairway. Um, I'm down. So this would be one thing. I'm not going to knock it till I try. But right now, I'm going to say it's a takeout of the episode okay, for me. It's a takeout. Uh, but let's try it for a week. Why don't you yeah. and I for a week? We'll come back when we do the annual recap. By the way, next week, guys, one year. You know, we just went over the one year anniversary of Trading Secrets. We're going over all the numbers best guess, worst downloads. I hope the person's not offended. Uh, the money made, the new contract, anything and everything in between we're talking about next week. So make sure you download. Um, but yeah, David, I think, uh, I think I'm with you on this, but let's try it before we knock it and take it out. Let's try it. Can I just tell the people at home, we do these like one week things and, and we're, sometimes we're really good at following through with them. And sometimes we're not, we had the slutty vegan on and we went vegan for that week. And we talked about a lot of different things and I wrote my wife into doing it. You know, she's still vegan. Stop it. Yeah, seven months later, she's wait, still wait, like wait. she. What you never <laughs> like? How do I not know that? I don't know. It's crazy because I don't. I did it for. She a week doesn't I, eat meat. No, do her. But her dad is like beside himself. 
she's still she, doing it. No meat. The, no, no dairy. She, no meat. No. No, she has dairy, so she's not. She's vegetarian. Okay, vegetarian. Yes, ah. but she did vegan, vegan for like we were buying the fake cheese and everything for. Okay, like we're going. Months. We're getting a little off topic, but I yeah. do have to ask: What have been the biggest changes for her since doing it? Uh, she feels amazing. She looks incredible. She's highest energy, fit. She's she's just very happy. Doesn't she find like she when you say feels and look? Does she feel like she feels and looks the best she's ever felt? Yes, and I can attest to that. And not that it's all about weight or anything, but she's happy with a number on the scale. She's happy with the way she looks. She has energy to work an eleven hour day and go to the gym after. Um, she doesn't bloat. I know, f- like females especially, like yeah. that was just something for her. Like she, her body's just responded really well to it. She's listening to her body, so I give her a lot of credit for that. Amazing, good for her. Okay, see, that's the thing. You could try these things, and they could last forever. Even just this conversation right there, going back to the slutty vegan episode, yeah. makes me want to go vegetarian for like I did it for <laughs> a month, dude. I did it for a month, and I'll never forget. I was sleeping better. My skin was like glowing. I'm like my my skin was like tighter, like everything. I should give that a try. Maybe we will. But well, one thing we will do is we're going to try the action with something to prepare ourselves. So yes. if we're getting nervous, we snap. Or we really want to execute on something, like we have the putt or we have a shot or something like that. We're going to do something. We're going to try it. We'll get back to you on that. Uh, any other takeouts or is that it? I think that I think that's it. Uh, it was again. I don't want to discredit this guy. He was incredible, fascinating. Um, you know, he, as far as the public speaking game goes, inspirational speaking game. I don't know how there's someone better than this guy. Yeah, uh, he was he was electric. Unbelievable. He's an inspiration. I think to 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 me as far as when it comes to selling and speaking, that is something I I need to bring much more. Ed Milet to the show. All right, <laughs> David. Anything else about the episode? No, it was great. I mean, to get people like this on 2.3 million followers, the guy's a beast. He's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, he makes me think with the amount of times he referenced the book, maybe this is my last take out. He's like, he said, there's no money in book in the book business. And I'm like, you referenced it 14 times and I you got so much into it. I, I beg to differ, sir. I don't think you waste time. <laughs> but it was great. It was, a, it was a phenomenal episode. And I want to, he's a guy I'd go see like live or go to an event or a speaking event and feel his energy. I think it'd be incredible. We're going to do it. David, thank you for joining me on this episode of Trading Secrets. Guys, if you don't subscribe to Trading Secrets, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give us a five-star rating. Please give us any reviews or guests that you want on. Put your Instagram handle. We might be reaching out to you with a little gift card here or there. And thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. Secrets one, hopefully you couldn't afford to miss. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.